All right, let's check it out. We are looking at Mark, the 16th chapter. This is the Resurrection Day account. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. This was something they would have done right away, but they couldn't because by the time he had died on late Friday, the Sabbath was kicking in, and they weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath, so they had to wait through the Saturday. And then first thing Sunday morning, they came, and they were going to anoint Jesus' body. Well, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, and they saw, uh, but the, when they looked up, they saw the stone, which had been very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen! Exclamation point, I like that. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now this is the defining moment in eternity. When that stone was rolled away and Jesus, who is the Christ of God, the Messiah, walks out alive. This is the game changer. This changed everything. And when he did this, not only did he display the incredible power that was available to him as the Son of God, but he showed the incredible power that he has to cause all who believe on him to experience great freedom. The Apostle Paul talks about this. He says in 1 Corinthians, he says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. He's talking about Satan and his minions who hated Jesus clearly. And they thought that when they orchestrated this whole thing where Judas betrayed him and, and all the leaders got together to try and crucify him, all the stuff that happened on that incredible weekend, that this was a major score for them. When they killed Jesus, they thought, this is awesome. <laughs> we got him. They're laughing, having a wonderful time. They had no idea what was about to happen. When Jesus came out of that grave with the keys of hell and death and the power of God displayed in him, and then the spirit that was in Jesus now, he sent to all believers. So let's have a think about that. From Satan's standpoint, he had Jesus going around doing all this cool stuff, but it was just him, one place, one time. Now he sends his spirit to everyone who believed on him and called on his name. Now he had tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of little Jesuses running all over the place, and they turned the world upside down. It was a powerful thing. It says, it says they didn't understand. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have done it if they would have had any clue what was going to happen. Jesus came to bring us freedom. Hallelujah. And that greatest demonstration was when he walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago. Now, something you need to understand about freedom. A lot of people don't understand what Christian freedom is about. A lot of people have kind of a twisted version of what they think Christian freedom is about. Because they think that what it means is that Jesus comes in the heart and they can do anything they want. I can do anything and God loves me. I can do anything. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't come to give you freedom so you can do anything you want. He came to give you freedom so that we can now serve God and do what he wants. He enables us to experience the life of God and to serve God. Now, as Christians, we identify completely with this event. This is what we focus on every 
Sunday as we bring our service to a close when we do communion, it always boils down to this one singular amazing event in history. His body broken for us, his blood shed for us uh, on that cross 2,000 years ago and then him rising from the dead is what Christianity is all about. See, it's not just a religion. It's not just a philosophy. We don't sit here this morning because Jesus was a great teacher. People say, oh yeah, Jesus was a wonderful teacher like many other teachers. No, 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 we're not talking teachers. Now, as far as teachers and philosophies go, I dare say ours blows them all away. But that's not what this is about. This is not about philosophy. This is not about religion. This is not about us trying to just learn about God out there in the cosmos somewhere. This is about experiencing God and knowing God, which is different. Every other religion in the world, you've got to work, 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 and do all their stuff, hoping that somehow they can touch God, reach nirvana, some state of grace. But true Christianity starts out with you experiencing God's grace right from the get-go, and you may not know anything. That's why he died on that cross. That's the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection. As Christians, we identify completely with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul taught us that the act of baptism uh, is all about that. We read about it in Romans, the sixth chapter. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So the analogy is baptism. Like when you're put in the water and you're surrounded by the water, it's like being buried as Jesus was buried. And when you come out uh, in newness of life as Jesus raised from the dead, that's the analogy of the baptismal experience. So we too have been raised from the dead, spiritually speaking. When Jesus was raised from the dead, literally, he made it possible for us to be raised from the dead spiritually. And as believers now in Jesus, we are to walk in this new life, this new freedom that comes as a result of this wonderful, wonderful experience. Sadly, many people have failed to walk in this freedom. It's as if they've been raised from the dead but they're still stuck in the tomb because the stone has not been rolled away for them. They live in kind of a pseudo-Christianity world, a basically somewhat miserable existence where they don't really, they're not totally in with God, yet they're not totally away from God. They're kind of riding the fence. Uh, Jesus spoke against that kind of thing, but that's what happens. They, they become they, they meet Christ, they pray, they experience God, but then they don't really get out there and experience any kind of freedom. It's like they're still locked in, like they're, you know, zombies from a, you know, a movie of the undead, you know, like a Michael Jackson thriller video. Thriller! You know, that's, that's their whole thing. That's, they don't really walk in freedom. They're alive, but they're not quite free. A miserable place to be. You have to understand something. Jesus did not die on the cross so you could be like a bunch of zombies from the undead. He died on the cross so you could be truly free. He came out of that grave so you could be truly free. It's time that we start really walking in the freedom that God has called for us to walk in and really experience all that God has for us. But again, for a lot of people, it's like the stone has not been rolled away. So what kind of stones can keep people in the tomb even though they've been born again for some it's the stone of fear everything in life 
causes them to be afraid. They're afraid to do or be anything. You know, it's amazing how much time we, I bet you if you take all the people in this room and watch my video at the different campuses, if you, the amount of time and energy we burn worrying about things that never, ever happen. Man, if we spend half that time praying, we'd change the world. But we fret and we worry and we worry and we fret and we're, we're just so afraid of what might happen. We're so afraid of what might happen and we stay locked in. Kind of a miserable existence. The stone of fear keeps them from really being free. They're Christians, yes. They've been born again, yes. They've experienced Christ, yes. But are they free? Well, they don't live very free. I guess they're free in the tomb. They can walk around, but don't really go out and change anything because they're stoned in by fear. Others, it's the stone of addiction, be it some kind of substance abuse or whatever it is. People, again, who've experienced God, but yet they can't seem to break free of habits and things that are destructive by its very nature, and they stay on that same little wheel like a little gerbil spinning around and round and round and just getting caught up in the same stuff over and over again. Some people, it's a stone of unbelief. They can't get free because they just, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe God. I can't believe God care. I can't believe God would answer my prayers. And again, they live this substandard spiritual existence. Alive spiritually, but not very free because they've walled themselves in, not being able to really believe God for much of anything. Others are stoned in by the disappointment of unrealized expectations. You know, a lot of people, things don't turn out the way they hope, and they become very bitter, very discouraged. Uh, this is one of the things that is driven also, is kind of related to fear. You know, there's a lot of people, they don't ever try anything or experience anything because they're afraid. But good grief, what an icky way to live. Better to live life and fail than to live in this gray nonsense of neither success nor failure, but just trying to be as safe as they can at any given moment. There's a lot of people, their whole lives, they never experience much of anything. I would much rather attempt and fail than to never attempt at all. And it's amazing how many people are huge successes. Some of the richest people in the world today at some time had failed miserably. Some of them had lost millions and millions of dollars in other business failures before it finally took for them. Are you kidding me? I, you know, there's actually a guy in Australia. He, he was here at Bayside years ago. I don't know if you guys remember. He's from Australia. He's, one of the, he's the richest man in Australia. And uh, he spoke to us here back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. But, uh, uh, but uh, it's, it's amazing to listen to his story. He'd, he had like total... Bankruptcy failures like three or four times where he lost tens of millions of dollars. I don't know who kept investing with this guy. <laughs> you lose a bunch of million dollars, I ain't giving you no money of my money, you know what I'm saying? But he kept inspiring people to invest with him. And then he finally, finally made it. Are you kidding me? Millions of Some of you guys, man, you, you lose $2,000, you know, on an investment. You're never going to invest again. I ain't never do that again. I lost $250. I'll never do it again. Seriously. Now, nobody likes losing $250 or $2,000, but reality check, people. Your whole life is built on one or two experiences or failures. 
man, grow from them. Don't just be locked in, frozen up because things don't turn out the way that you'd hoped. Another biggie is just the stone of sin. This is probably the biggest one. It keeps Christians from really walking free. Sins, the things that they know. The Bible blatantly says you should or should not do, and they ignore it anyway. This, this is my bane, the bane of my existence. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You can talk to people. I talk to people all the time, helping them with their struggles. They come to talk to me, and it's, why am I struggling? Well, you're doing this. The Bible says you should not do this. Don't do this. And they look and go, yeah, but I feel it's okay. Hello? I don't care what you feel like. You know, some things in the Bible are kind of gray. You're not quite sure what they're talking about. And then there's the black and white yo mama stuff. You know what I'm saying? You ignore the black and white yo mama stuff. You're an idiot. You need to get this stuff right. Come on. This will just wall you in. You're not going to have freedom. You got to understand something. God is not a two-bit politician in a cheap suit that takes polls to find out what side of the issue to make a stand on. I promise you, when he said, thou shalt not commit adultery, he meant it. And if three quarters of all the people on the face of the earth decide it's fine to commit adultery, it's not like God gets with the angels and say, listen, guys, we need to really reevaluate here because, you know, <laughs> surveys are showing people think this is cool, you know, and we, we need to... I don't care if everybody in the world thinks it's fine. It's not okay. God doesn't care what you think about it. We're crying out loud. Well, I don't think it's... That's amazing to me. You can show them. You should not do this. Well, I don't think it's wrong. Hello? Or, I know that's what the Bible says, but I don't feel it's wrong. Listen to me. God doesn't care what you feel. When you, when you stand before God on Judgment Day, you're not going to be judged based on what you feel. The road to hell is paved with feelings. People who felt this. And I, well, I felt that. Well, I intended that. Well, I didn't really mean to do that. Hello? I don't care what you intended. I don't care what you felt. You're going to be judged on one thing, what you did or did not do. That's it. You're looking at me like I dropped in from Mars this morning. Jesus gave this great parable. He told this story. He says, there was a certain father had two sons. Came to the first son and said, son, I want you to go work in the vineyard today. Son said, no. I don't want to work in your vineyard. It's a stupid vineyard. I hate a dumb vineyard. A bunch of grapes hanging everywhere. Stupid vineyard. But then he went. Comes to the second son. Son, I want you to go work today in my vineyard. And he says, oh, Pops, thanks. I love this. It's great. I just, I love the vineyard. I live for the vineyard. I was just dreaming about the vineyard last. I was hoping, Dad, you'd have me go to the vineyard today. Woohoo! Hallelujah! Praise the name of the vineyard. Woo! Just having a great time. But then he didn't go. And Jesus asked the religious leaders, which one of these two did the will of the Father? I said, the first one. I said, you're right. I don't think we think that way anymore. I think we would have condemned the guy who had the bad attitude because he didn't feel like doing it. 
And we would have praised the one. Oh, look at this guy. He loved it. He really meant to do it. He had it in his heart. He really cared about it. He was excited about it. But we went, oh, man, he was so excited when he heard he had a chance to go do it. Oh, surely this guy's okay. Wrong. At the end of the day, what mattered is the one went who cared what he felt like. The other one didn't, despite all the positive feelings in the world. People, we need to do the right thing. Again, there's lots of shades of gray that we all deal with, but there's some real black and white stuff today that people treat like it's a shade of gray. You need to be careful. You start doing stuff that the Bible's very clear you should not be doing. You will be walled in. You will, you'll be in the tomb, in the land of the undead. Well, the women asked this question. Who will roll away the stone? Well, that's the question I want to ask today. Who's going to roll away the stone if you're stuck in this situation? Well, I've got three answers for you. Answer number one, God will roll away the stone, especially the major stuff in your life. Look, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he made it possible for you to have the forgiveness of sins and to be set free from the power of sin in your life. It's not a matter of you just being better than you are bad. A lot of people, you say, you know, are you going to go to heaven? Well, you know, I think I'm a little bit better than I'm bad. I'm not such a bad guy. I'm a lot better than my neighbor. He lets his dog poop in my yard, but I don't do that. You know, I just, I'm a lot better than that. You know, that's not going to do you any good. You can't just be better than you are good. You can't just give more money than you don't. You can't sacrifice and do some great thing that you... If you could have, I promise you, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. He would have said, hey, just be better than you are bad. Give more money than the guy next to you. You know, save some cat from a burning bush or something, you know, then you'll be fine. Why didn't he say that? Because none of that matters. I mean, it's nice from our thing. Yeah, it's nice when you're nicer and all that. But you can't, that's not going to erase your sin. The only thing that can set you free from the sins you've committed in your life is the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. This is the life-changing moment. So most of all, let God roll away those stones. Man, it's... Number two, sometimes we need to roll away the stones, particularly if you're in that category, people who roll the stones in there in the first place. A lot of times we create our own barriers through our behavior and our sins and our unbelief. We need to get free of those things. Paul, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, they think it was Paul, they don't really know. But he writes this, he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He says, if you're going to run this race, get rid, of all the, get rid of all the weights. And he says, you get rid of them. Don't say ask God to get rid of the weights for you. Some stuff like our sins, only he can do. But some stuff that we're doing and the weights and the concerns of prayer, you need to stop. We got to stop doing this. When you're running, you know, you're not jogging along and looking for stuff to pick up along the way. You know, that's a pretty flower. I think, yeah, that's good. I like that. Okay, keep jogging. And, oh, oh man, I, I need one of these. This is awesome. You know, you just jog. You don't do that. You get rid of everything you can for crying out loud. A real runner gets down to what's almost illegal. <laughs> Seriously, there's a fine line between a real runner and a streaker. 
I mean, they're, they're getting down to the basics, the minimum of the minimum. Why? They want to get rid of all the weight they can so they can be as sleek and go as fast as they can. That's the way we are supposed to be as Christians. Get rid of this stuff. Sometimes we just need to get rid of the stone that's in front of us. And then finally, first of all, God, sometimes we need to get rid of the stone. And sometimes we need to let other people help us to roll away the stones that are blocking us in. I think it's a big area in, in life that people are, have missed today. Uh, something that I've been preaching about and talking about quite a bit lately is this idea of church. What is church? Church is about really being there for each other. It's not about sitting in a room with a bunch of strangers like at a movie theater. You know, and as soon as you're done, everybody, you're trying, how are you doing? Split, you know, and trying to beat all the Baptists at McDonald's or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's about connecting with each other and helping each other live life. We're supposed to be there for one another. But you know, it's hard to do that. Why? Because we live in this plastic version of Christianity. It's something we talk about all the time. We hate that kind of stuff. That's why we talk about be real, be real. Don't want to have this plastic mask on you. But the problem is people are afraid to be real because they think someone's going to criticize them. They won't have anything to do with them. People say, gee, if these people really knew me, you know, they wouldn't like me. Look, you're in here. We already know you're messed up. Only the messed up people come to this church. <laughs> Hopefully they don't show you on TV. <laughs> you're part of the messed up crowd. I pretty much guarantee if you're sitting here today, you got a few issues to work out. How many admit you got one or two issues to work out? Yeah, look at all you sinners out there. Look at that. It's about being real and about being honest for crying out loud. But as long as we stay in this little plastic phone, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you were strangling your kids on the way in the church, you little rats, and demon possessed. Lord, you better get there and sing happy this morning because I'm going to kill you. God might have brought you in this world, but I'll take you out. You hear me? You are in church, I'm fine, praise God, I'm just fine. Hallelujah, I'm all fine. You big fat phony. <laughs> Don't be like that. Be honest. Be where you come in driving yourself crazy. Say, how you doing? I just I want to kill my kids. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so you want to hear that? Absolutely we want to hear that. I want to pray with you, but I encourage you in life. Show you how to live this thing out. You know, couples, man, marriage. We could almost get rid of divorce if people would just start sharing their struggles with other people. A lot of what people think they need for counselors and stuff like that. You don't need counselors at all. All you need is just talk your problems out with somebody else. It's called mentors. I promise you, today, today, there'll be a minimum 10,000 people who will hear about someone getting a divorce in church. And everybody will go, huh, I didn't know they were even having any problems. Well, what is that? You're to the point you divorce each other. No one even knows you can't stand each other. Why? Because we live this plastic Christianity. Stop that. Man, you try and live marriage out just the two of you on an island. See, that's where we are in the United States. Everybody's minding their own business. Everybody's minding their own That's why everybody's so miserable. Just you and your wife on an island, it turns into a survivor. <laughs> Outwit, outlast, outplay. Some of you turn into cannibals. You start eating each other. You do, because people tend to fight over the stupidest things on earth. Ask my wife. 
And it's interesting because when, the way we deal with our stuff, we talk about it in front of other people. Because it's amazing. When you talk your stuff in front of everybody, that brilliant argument you had at the time seems pretty stupid now. <laughs> you're almost a sh- you almost don't want to tell somebody what you're arguing about. I, I, guess, I guess I am kind of stupid, you know. It's like, have you seen the show, The Marriage Ref? And, uh, you know, I think it's hilarious. I love it. These people are fighting like cats and dogs over stuff that they are... But everybody's watching knows how stupid it is. The whole show, you're just laughing your butt off. You're sort of making fun of them. They finally, well, I guess it's kind of stupid. That's probably the best therapy they can ever have. Just wa- arguing your stupidity out. We've got to send cameras home with all y'all. Create our own show. Look at Bob and Susan. What are they arguing about today? Woo-hoo! Good grief. Get a clue. Help each other. Communicate with other people. I know we're Americans. United States of America. Everybody's our own made man. Nobody knows my business. Yeah, how's that working for you? So many people are so depressed and frustrated and life stinks for them all the time. That's, I'm talking Christians. Whoops, my iPod just died. <laughs> oh, there it goes. Good. <laughs> Freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> I like these toys. Anyway, look, this Easter, as you're enjoying this day, and please enjoy this wonderful day. It's a great time of the year as we celebrate going into spring and this wonderful thing called the resurrection. Make a determination in your life that you're going to quit living in the land of the undead. You're going to quit just walking and wandering around in a tomb all by yourself. Roll the stone away. Get somebody to help you roll the stone away. Ask God to roll the stone away. But whatever you do, roll the stone away so you can start being truly free. You should be able to say, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. So worried and freaking out, panicking all the time. You start walking truly free. Some of y'all do something you haven't done in a long time. It's called smile. <laughs> Come on, I look at you. Some of you look like you got baptized in prune juice. <laughs> you need to lighten up, man. Get free. Get rid of all that ick. No ick stick. No ick will stick to me. I'm trying to make a point. I don't know what it is. <laughs> we need, what is that? Ick, no, non-stick. Oh, Teflon. Teflon. We need to dip some of y'all in Teflon. So the ick don't stick. I probably the ick's going to come at you. Don't be shocked when the ick comes at you. <laughs> okay, I'll shut up. All right, let's get the ushers to come forward and uh, the musicians get ready uh, for communion. Let's walk in freedom today, huh? The freedom that Jesus made possible when he came out of that tomb 2,000 years ago. And I've been challenging those of you who are Christians, to start really living and walking in the freedom God made possible for you. Get rid of the stones. Trust God. Break out. Roll away the stones so you can start to experience all that God has for you. But if you're here this morning or you're listening in one of our campuses via video, maybe you're watching us on television this morning, your problem isn't that you're not walking free as a Christian. The problem is you're still dead spiritually. You're still dead in a doornail in the tomb. A lot of you can sense it. You know something's not right. 
It's called being dead in sin. That's why Jesus died, so we could become alive if we'll put our faith and trust in him. A lot of you tried everything you can to try and jumpstart your heart. Some of you try, well, if I can just do enough drugs or do enough alcohol or if I know enough women or just, you know, more, I make enough money, that'll, that'll, that'll be my answer. Then I'll start really be happy. But no matter what you do, no matter what you try, you can't jumpstart that part of you that only God can jumpstart. Why not open your heart this morning? Why not ask Jesus Christ into your life so you can start to experience this wonderful resurrection power that we've been talking about this morning. I'm going to invite everybody to bow their heads with me right now. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. If you'll pray this prayer wherever you're at right now and really believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can start to experience God in your life. Not just know about him, be aware of him, but to really experience him. It's a life changer. When his life, his energy comes into you and suddenly you become alive. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you love me so much you went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.